The Underdark, an endless network of ever-connecting caves, tunnels, and vast caverns that exist beneath the world of Faerun. Alien to surface dwellers in every conceivable way, this realm is not one to be taken lightly, as its dark grottos have caused its denizens to be equally as harsh as the environment. The few civilizations who thrive in the Underdark do so not because of their benevolence, but thanks to their willingness to prosper on account of other beings suffering. The Dark Elves, or Drow, run the most intense slave networks beneath the surface world, and take special interest in forcing those of exotic ancestry to work unwillingly as servants. That is how our story began. A ragtag group of unfortunate adventurers captured by the drow who banded together to secure the most basic of needs, survival. Welcome to The Chicago Table, a creation by us here at Where Rat Studios that is a real play D&D podcast. We're currently playing the module Out of the Abyss, and we thought we'd start recording our sessions and sharing them with y'all. My name is DM the Villain Joel, and without any further pageantry or bullshit, let's meet the players and their characters. The Minotaur Barbarian, Rastos Targrul, played by TJ. I am Rastos Targrul, a gladiator from the surface of Faerun. I was born somewhere in the Great Sand Sea of Anorak, hot, light, dry, the way the rocks glistened in the sun. I remember my parents, my father, my mother, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, family. I remember learning how to survive in that harsh climate, how to read the sand and the rocks for water, and how to be careful. But we weren't careful enough. We followed one of our trails to one of our campsites and waited until the darkness and the rising of the moon to sleep. I drifted into sleep knowing the faces of my mother and father for the last time that night. Under the cover of darkness they came, warriors dressed in the colors of the night. I tried to stand my ground in the desert that night as we were rung up like cattle by the forces of the Pasha, Ambandum. I didn't know that name then, but I would learn that name well enough in time. What younglings there were that survived our capture were brought back south to the city of Kalamshan. We learned the art of the sword, the spear, net, and then I learned the axe. It wouldn't be long for us to be put on display in the arenas of blood as I became a soldier for Ambandum. I slew creatures like goblins in my childhood, bugbears in my adolescence, and my brothers when I was a man. Only two fighters have ever truly escaped the arenas of blood. What happened to me? Another band of warriors under the cover of night grabbed us in their ways and brought me to another prison in their underdark. And here I am. The same key holds the exit to this terrible dark place. Death. My rage, my fire, which has guided my steps and hands, takes but a spark to ignite, will light my path back to the surface. 
The wizard, Nico, played by Jesse. 20 years ago, at the site called Dust Cross, an ancient obsidian pyramid rose from the waters of the Lonely Moor. At this site was the entrance to the depths, where a coven of Wan-Ti lived trapped for centuries under, under the rule of Gargalios, the forgotten anathema. Eventually, a large adventuring group under the command of Moral Shedbottom arrived to claim the legends in the deep, only to find that the legends didn't speak of items, but instead of the sealed anathema. Freed from being bound to the Wan-Ti, Reko Pount, the party's wizard, took Nico with him on his return to his tower in Orobar. This, however, was not in charity. Nico became his slave, constantly organizing notes and books, and forced to endure long hours of tutelage about the dark arts of necromancy. More often than once, they would be subject to experimentation due to their, due to their unique heritage. Despite all this, Nico would steal books of fantasy and lore from the Tower Library to keep sane, and to remember the illusion of heroes and heroines who, they, who so firmly believed would save them before. After a handful of years under Reckle, Nico established himself as an immensely skilled writer, particularly in copying spells and organizing information for alchemical recipes. Not long after, Nico killed their master by mislabeling critical ingredients, causing an enormous explosion that decimated both the tower and Reckle. On the run, Nico was captured just outside of Loudwater by the drow, waking up in Velkenvelve, where their story picks up now. The Ranger Dro, played by Kratz. Dro Us Deer, a male dark elf entering early adulthood. He is a native of the Underdark standing five and a half feet tall, slim of build. Classic drow features of jet black skin, red eyes, and white hair, which is worn shoulder length, clad in dark black leather armor and adorned with a longbow. The ranger rode with skills of tracking and stealth. Drow grew up in a drow stronghold loyal to Loth, the Spider Queen, the drow's most worshipped deity, a matriarchal society with males holding subservient roles. Drow lived in the slums on the outskirts with other fathers and sons, Placed there as fodder for any unexpected incursion against the community, commanded to sit and wait for orders. Orders from the matriarch typically consisted of raiding the surface world for supplies or slaves. The men from the slums would die off frequently during these missions with no care from the leadership. Drove was captured by the drow at Valkenvalve under suspicion of worship of gods other than Loth. The Soul Knife Rogue, Jin, played by Elliot. Hello, this is Jin. Jin is here to talk about Jin. So where should Jin start? Jin is just Jin and also all the Jins. Jin is around six foot tall and a wood elf. Jin was born Jin in a remote elven village of... He doesn't think Jin should talk about like Jin was talking about Jin. So Juniper does not seem to care. Juniper does care. Jin knows Jin has a great smile. Jin does not smile. When did Jin get to smile? Juniper takes care of Jinny. Isn't that right, Jin? Juniper also does Jin things. Jin is Juniper. Juniper is Jin. And Jin is also Jin, but Jin does most of the Jin things. But not like the Jinns. Yes, like all the Jinns. Jin is not arguing with you, Jin. Don't be upset, Jin. Jin is just saying that Jin should pull Jin's weight. Jin, one at a time. Slowly now. Jin, you can do this. Jin is a female wood elf around six feet tall with white hair and light bronze skin and emerald green eyes. Jin has had a rough life, but Jin would say it was not hard. It's just rough. Jin was exiled from her home village after she predicted uh, some bad things. It was a famine. The other elves thought Jin was cursed and, and uh, Jin's and grim fortune would talking. continue to harm the village if Jin stayed around. Jin was exiled and wandered around for a bit and then picked up uh, by a band of thieves and worked with them for a while. And after a while, Jin was, uh, did Jin pick that work or did the work pick Jin? It is uh, interesting. I think Jin was talking about Well, Jin did some assassin thing. things for a while and then some general spy stuff and Jin mostly stayed to Jin. Jin and Jin at the pub. 
Then Jin received the job to acquire a thing, and Jin thought it was a strange job. But Jin hadn't done the job like the acquisitions in the while, and then Jin, Jin got a very detailed location and time to pick up said object, so it was an easy job, but a very strange Jin job. And so then there Jin was waiting in the woods. Waiting for a while and a little longer, and Jin finally almost done waiting, and the target appeared on the road. And then Jin thinks, Oh, this is a pretty nice carriage, and oh, it's a dark forest, and it's nighttime, and the carriage was not moving so fast, so Jin matches the pace, and then Jin climbs on the back and top, and then says, Oh, quietly, she whispers to herself, This is not good. And the next thing Jin remembers is her head was hurting, and the field of cold iron around Jin's wrists, and then, you know, some walking, and then some more cold iron, and now Jin is in a prison. And then Jin is in another prison, and it is underground, and there are drows. And then Jin escaped. The end. That is not the end. Jin did more things about that or breaking up the Velcomville. Jin said the story is the end. That's the end. Now be quiet. The narrator will do the rest of the story. Having escaped the drow settlement of Velcomville, where they were kept as slaves, the party has journeyed through and survived the Underdark. The party gradually discovered that there are some things out there far worse than purple worms, drow, and derogar. Not long after arriving at the village of Schlupledop, the party witnessed the demon priest Demi Gorgon arise from the waters, causing mass hysteria, grotesque mutations, and wanton destruction. They fled for the nearest settlement looking for protection from the various dangers. Along the way, they lost the dear dwarven friend, Howlin Howie, who was turned to dust by a, a spectre, thus christening their adventuring party as the Howling Dark. The party traveled onward to Gracklestone, the city of the dark dwarves known as Duragor. There they found many factions had a strong influence within the city. We catch up on the party as they corner Adero, known as Droki, a courier who is rumored to know much of the cloak and dagger happenings within Cracklestone. Again, we welcome you to the Chicago Table.